God's word is God's tool to prepare God's people for life and ministry. May God bless and equip you for exploits in his kingdom, even as you listen in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you again for giving us the chance to look at the life of Joseph. Father, we pray that as we, as we look at his life, may it encourage our hearts, even as we prepare for next year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Looking at the life of Joseph, part two. In part one, we looked at ten things in the life of Joseph. And now I'd like us to look at another ten things by the grace of God. So open with me again to the book of Genesis. We stopped verse uh, in the chapter 40 verse 14 and verse 23, where we said God's timing is always the best. And we said that don't allow yourself escape or accept an escape that is before time. So number 11, I'd like to read Genesis 41 uh, verse 15. Genesis 41, verse 15, and it says, And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, it would have been so easy. Here is Joseph who was longing to leave, isn't it? It would have been so easy at this point for Joseph to say, Yes, I know I can tell you the dream. But Joseph says, it is not in me. Pharaoh had said, it is in you. And Joseph said, it is not in me. That may look like a false humility, but it's not a false humility. It's a true understanding that in me dwelleth no good thing. It's a true understanding that I am actually a barren vessel, a useless person, totally unable to do anything good outside God. So even when men praise you, if you have a correct assessment of yourself, you say to yourself, these people don't know me. If they really knew me, they would not praise me. When you pray for somebody and they're healed, and they start to turn to you like a healer, you, you say to yourself, they don't know me. If they knew me, they know that I'm not a healer. So point number 11 is, if you're writing, always remember 
and explain to men that God's gift in you is not from you. Always remember, but always explain to men that God's gift in you is not you. It's not from you, but from God. So you want to make it so clear to everyone, high and low, make it so clear that whatever good they see in you is not really you, but who? But God. It's not false humility. It's not false humility. It's just a true assessment. Except you don't know yourself. If you know yourself, you cannot be proud. Honestly, if you know yourself, you cannot be proud. And remember, people think they know you. Remember that Pharaoh has never met him before, right? But Pharaoh was responding based on what people said about him. Recently in Ghana, I went to speak at their conference and one of the days, somebody came up to me and said, Sir, you don't know me, but I have been following your footsteps for 17 years. He says, when I was in Yaba College of Technology, you came and you spoke. And he gave me the message I spoke 17 years ago. This was, he told me, this was just last, was it last month I was in Ghana? He says, I've been following you. I knew when you were in this country. I knew when you were in that country. I follow you. In fact, I'm on your list of people that receive your updates. I don't know how we got on that list. Now, it is easy for a man to think I am important because someone has followed me for 17 years. But that's foolishness. They are not following you. They are following the God that they can see manifesting in you. And so be quick to tell them, actually, it's not me you are following. Actually, it's the God that works in my life that has allowed you to see something to follow. Do you know, if God takes his hand off you or off me, there's nothing. You can shout, you can preach, you can talk, there's nothing. You are just nothing. I am nothing. And Joseph was careful to say, no, 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 no. It's not me. It's who? It's God. And it says, God will give Pharaoh the answer. Do you see that? Even though I'm speaking, but who is giving the answer? It's God. Will give Pharaoh the answer. So number 11 is remember, but also explain to people that God's gift in you is not you, but it's God. Number 12. Verse 40, verse 40 and verse to 44, but we won't read the whole thing. Now, the, after he has interpreted the dream, the dream is very clear. Of course, Pharaoh says, who can we find who has the spirit of God like you? Right? And then in verse 40, he says, you shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, 
See, I have set you over all the land. Verse 43, let's skip a little bit. Or even let's go on to 44. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Powerful. <laughs> Kai. Potiphar is in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Potiphar is in trouble, right? I mean, can you imagine? He says, I am Pharaoh, just to invoke who he is. And he says, in the whole of Egypt, no man can lift a hand and foot. What kind of authority? But please remember, that same day was when they told him, Pharaoh needs you. That same day was when they quickly shaved him, dressed him up, got him ready. That same day was the day he gave the interpretation. As at when he was standing before Pharaoh, he was still a slave. It was only at the moment of the pronouncement that his status, his identity changed. What can we learn from that? Number 12. Faithfulness over the years of obscurity, nurturing God's presence in the secret place, and rejecting to walk in sin will lead to sudden elevation and promotion. Okay, I'll repeat it again. Faithfulness over the years of obscurity, that's the years when nobody recognized you, you were nothing. Nurturing God's presence in the secret place and rejecting to walk in sin will lead to a sudden elevation and promotion. Can I ask you a question? Listen to me, friends. All these years that Joseph had left his father, I, I, can, I can repeat again one more time. Faithfulness over the years of obscurity, nurturing God's presence in secret, and rejecting to walk in sin. Three things, all right? Like a triangle, three things. You are faithful when nobody knows you. You are still obscure. Nobody knows your name. You are just faithful in quietness. You are faithful in Potiphar's house. You are faithful in the prison. You are faithful, number one. Number two, nurturing God's presence. In those quiet days, you just keep nurturing God's presence. And the Bible says, the Lord was with jo uh, Joseph. And then number three is um, rejecting to walk in sin. These three things will lead to a sudden promotion. Now, I was going to ask a question. All these years, he left his father's house. How many years? Sorry, how old was he here? 30, right? About 30. He left when he was when? 17. So that's how many years? 13 years. In those 13 years, 
Is there anywhere the Bible says God spoke to Joseph? Not once. Not once. Please, there was no Bible. So, there was no DVD player. There was no DSTV. There was no TBN. There was no God-fearing individual around him. 13 years. So there was no iron sharpening iron. Yet, this man maintained the core disciplines. You know, those things he had learned from his father in the first 17 years of his life. I can imagine Jacob sitting with him, telling him all the history of God's dealing with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. And how Esau sold his birthright. You know, all those dealings. This man internalized all these things. When there was nobody around, all he had was the memories of the dealings and the words. And he continued faithfully. I don't think in his wildest dream, he ever thought he would be Lord of, of Egypt. I don't believe so. I want to say to you, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard what God has prepared for you. But don't start dreaming one big ambitious dream. Are you with me? Don't start trying to fight for some increase, you know, and start praying prayers of increase like we do in our churches. Prayers of multiplication. My year of growth and explosion. That's not what we bring growth and explosion. What is it? Faithfulness in your years of obscurity. Nurturing the presence of God when nobody's watching you. And what? Rejecting sin in all its ramifications. I spoke harshly to my wife last week. I was very irritable and I was just not flowing. I was full of tension and things were not working. And so she asked me one, I say three. She asked me four, I say ten. And as I was having my shower that morning, the Lord was telling me, you're a bad husband. You're a bad husband. And as I was coming out of the bathroom, she was coming to the bathroom, I held her, I kissed her, I apologized. Now let me tell you, I don't have to say to you, it's not to impress anybody. But the point is, don't, don't try and overlook small things. Where God is actually checking you is what? In the small things, where nobody sees. Does that make me a perfect husband? No. Ask my wife, she's here. I think the next day she said four and I said 15. <laughs> you know, so, he doesn't mean that suddenly I became the 100% husband. No, 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 no. But I know when I'm failing. Are you with me? I know when I'm stumbling. I know when I am not pleasing God. Woe betide you if you don't know. Woe betide you if you continue religious activities and God is unhappy with you. And that's why all this supernatural prayer for supernatural blessing is not it. If God is not pleased with you, your prayers are useless. For me, it's more important I please my wife than pray long prayers. It's more important. It's more important that I am 
a man of integrity. If I say I'm coming at 5, I come at 5. And if I'm coming at 5.10, I need to send a message to say I'm coming at what? 5.10, I'm sorry. 10 minutes difference shows your integrity. We went for a, you know, for a program. I won't say where. The program was to start at what time? 5. We're rushing. I told my wife, come on, we need to go. Let's rush quickly. We're late. We got there at 5.20 or 5.15. You know, quickly parked the car and we rushed in. And there were maybe about five people. And the AC was so cold. I told my wife, let's go outside before we catch pneumonia. We went into the car, sat in the car, waited, waited. Went back in at about six something. The hall was hardly, almost empty. It was a birthday celebration in a very big hotel with all the fancy lights and all those beautiful things and, you know, music and DJ and all those things. The, what time did it finally start? About 7.30. A program that should start 5 at about 7.30. Of course, here are we trying to be people of integrity. I hate being late. I hate being late. And those of you on my team, you know, I don't like lateness. And if you are late, apologize. You know, they don't understand. But this person is not young. The program, you know, 7.30. Now, because some of us, we don't understand the culture of this, you know, church environment. We are still rushing to be early. People that understood came at 7.30. Some even were working at 8. Because they know that although they said 5, they really mean 8. So, at about 10 something, I told my wife, we need to, they hadn't finished. At 10, so we had to leave. So, how do you say it's 5? So, you keep people for 6, 7, what, what is it? Now, I'm saying that these are small things that count. Are you with me? Small things. So don't, don't look down on the small things. Those are things God is looking at. Now, can you believe God with me? That in God's time, God can switch your status overnight. I'm telling you, overnight, God can take you out of nowhere. And make you someone that you never dreamt to be. And not because, you know, you wanted it. It's just that God has been watching your faithfulness over time. Promotion comes neither from the east or the west. Comes from where? Comes from the Lord. From above. Amen. Number 13. Genesis 41 still. Let's read verse 46. 46 says, Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land. Chapter 42, verse 9. Then Joseph remembered the dream. This is when his brothers came, remember? Remember? Verse 8 says, so Joseph recognized his brothers 
but they did not recognize him. Then Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed about them, and he said, you are spies and all that. Point number 13. Don't be in a hurry to enter your dream. Or, rephrasing that, don't be in a hurry to enter the dream or the vision God has shown you. Does that make sense? Don't be in a hurry. It may look like God has shown you, Sister Melrose, some wonderful things about what will happen through your ministry in Lagos. And it's not happening the way you want. Don't be in a hurry because God is working. There are some things God showed you a long time ago. It looks like it's dead. It's not dead. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Do you know, it's only when Joseph's brothers came that Joseph remembered. You know, there are some things God has shown you you've forgotten. There could be some things God showed you in your earlier years, but because it's taken so long, you've forgotten those things. Don't be in a hurry. God is working. Amen. Those things that seem to have died, the Lord is able to resurrect in Jesus' name. But just walk with God's timing. Don't walk with your timing. Walk with God's timing in Jesus' name. Number 14. Genesis 41, verse 55. So when all the land of Egypt had finished, or was famished, sorry, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Then Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, Go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. Chapter 42, verse 6. Now Joseph was governor over all the land, and it was he who sold <coughs> to all the people of the land. Now, look at two things. The first, it says here that Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to who? Go to Joseph. All the land of Egypt, when they were famished, who did they go to? No. They went to Pharaoh. But Joseph, Pharaoh had said, this man, no man will lift a hand or foot except... But what did people do? They boycotted Joseph and went to who? They went to Pharaoh. But Pharaoh sent them back to Joseph. What that means is, when you delegate authority, enforce it. When you give people a job description, let them do it. Don't delegate authority and turn around and try and take it back. If they make mistakes, let them learn from their mistakes. Let them learn. But when it came to chapter 42, the Bible says that Joseph was governor over all the land. And who sold to the people? Please, can you see that? Who sold to the people? It was he who sold to all, my version says, all the people. Now, if the Bible says it was he, it means it was he personally. It means that 
you need to know the things you can delegate and know the things you shouldn't delegate. Pharaoh knew what to delegate. He delegated to who? Joseph. But Joseph knew that this thing was so critical, he could not delegate it to anyone else. Friends, there are some things you must not delegate to other people. Are you with me? There are some things only you should do. But you must know which ones should I delegate and which ones must I do myself. When we had a committee meeting recently, my secretary was there taking all the minutes. So when I asked her, send me the minutes. She sent me the minutes and the English was, I was wentest and chemist. It was hard. And I said, that is not, that is strange. So, so she sent it to me to proofread. I had to almost rewrite the whole thing. Then I asked her, I said, this is such bad English. What happened? And she confessed and said, she gave it to someone else to write. Now, you see, something like that you don't delegate. Now, imagine if she had posted those minutes to the committee members without me proofreading it. It would make her look so incompetent, right? But the truth was, she didn't do it. She gave it to someone else. There are some things you don't delegate. So after she gave this person, and this person wrote all the Greek and English mixed together, I now had to sort it out, which means I was now doing her work and the other person's work. When Pharaoh delegated to Joseph, he wasn't going to take any stories. He wasn't going to take any stories. Please, when I delegate to you, I don't want stories. So if you are going to delegate to someone else, you must ensure the person you are delegating to has the capacity to deliver. Otherwise, you are bringing more problems to me because I delegated to you and you delegated to somebody incompetent, not that the person is bad, just incompetent to do that work. So number 14 is know what to delegate and know what to personally handle. Know what to delegate and know what to personally handle. Number 15, Genesis 42, verse 24. Let me start from 23 or 22. So Reuben answered them saying, Did I not speak to you saying, Do not sin against the boy? And you would not listen. Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke to them through an interpreter. And he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them. Why did he go and hide to weep? Were these not his brothers? Why couldn't he just weep in front of them? You see, 
he was unfolding a plan, isn't it? You'll find later on in Genesis 45, if you open with me to Genesis 45 very quickly, Genesis 45 verse 1, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by, and he cried out, Make everyone go out from me, so no one stood with him, while Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. You see, there's a time to weep in secret, and there's a time to weep in public. Know where to weep. Know when to weep. Weeping at the wrong place, at the wrong time, you may think you have been transparent, but really you are, in fact, you may destroy other people. There's a time to show vulnerability, and there's a time not to show vulnerability. To, to always be strong and not know when to be vulnerable is a problem. And many people are like that. They hide. They don't show when they can weep. They don't show they are human. They always try to pretend that they are always supernatural, super spiritual. They cannot show their vulnerability. They cannot show their humanness. Those of you who are close to me, those of you who in any way I am a mentor, you know, I tell you again and again things I struggle with. I tell you areas I'm not doing well because I know that sharing my vulnerability is actually an asset. So learn to know when to weep and know when not to weep. There was a time it was necessary for him to come out. And did you notice, even when he had to come out, what did he do? He asked all the Egyptians to go. Because he did not want the Egyptians to see him weeping. Friends, do you weep? Those of you who are married, when last did you weep before your spouse? If you have not wept before your spouse, something is very wrong with your marriage. And when I say weep, I don't necessarily mean weeping of what? Tears. I mean showing vulnerability. Showing humanness. Showing, I too, I have failed. I have made a mistake. I'm sorry. I am human. The beauty of a good marriage, and I would say any good relationship that will last, is when people get to a point of trust that you can be vulnerable. Amen. My secretary is here. I'm vulnerable for her. I say, I'm tired today. I am just so tired. I am so tired. I, it doesn't make me less than who I am. Do you understand me? I have not lost my value. On the contrary, to be honest, if you are able to be vulnerable before the people closest to you, you have more value. Marriages that are fake are marriages where people are always strong. Always trying to prove that I know all the Bible verses and I'm never ever weak. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But there's a right time, isn't it? There's what? There's a right time. There's a wrong time. It's a wrong time. 
If you just, you know, please don't misunderstand me. Second Jude, don't misunderstand me. That you just enter a relation with your fiancé and every day say, I want to just be open to you. I want to be open to you. I masturbated last night. Listen, she will run away from you. She will take off. There's a time. Amen. There's a time. If you try to be too vulnerable at the wrong time, you will destroy your relationship. But there's a time of intimacy. There's a time of depth. There's a time of trust. There's a time of understanding. At that point, you must be vulnerable. Amen. So number 14 is no, sorry, 15. Know when to weep and where to weep. Number 16. Genesis 42 verse 25. Then Joseph gave a command to fill their sacks with grain to restore every man's money to his sack and to give them provisions for the journey. Thus he did for them. Of course, you know the rest of the story. You, you, know the, you, know the, you know the rest of the story. Joseph could have used his privileged position to press them down. He could have used his privileged position to, 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 to suffocate them. But he blessed. Number 16, never use your privileged position to revenge or retaliate. Even when you have opportunity, never use your privileged position to do what? To revenge or to retaliate. Praise the name of the Lord. Number 17. Genesis 45 verses 4. It's still in continuation of this same uh, topic. I'll need to go faster because of time. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Do you know all this time Joseph was weeping and revealing himself? And he said, Do you know, if you notice, nobody spoke. They didn't speak. Why? There was fear. They didn't understand what is he going to do. But then he went close to them. Amen. He went close to them. He reached out to them. He says, I am Joseph. I know you sold me. But it's okay. I'm your brother. I'm your brother. And then he says, please come near to me. So they came near to him. Do you notice that I am Joseph, your brother? I'm not Lord of Egypt. I am who? I am your brother. I know you sold me, but I am your brother. Number 17. Reach out to those who have hurt you. Even before they confess. That means don't wait for them to come. At this point, they have not confessed. At this point, they haven't shown repentance. But he reached out to them. 
Oh, the large-hearted leader is always reaching out for the godly man who wants a godly marriage or a godly woman who wants a godly marriage always reaching out to the other person. Always reaching out. Don't wait for repentance. Don't wait for reconciliation. Reach out. This next year, no matter what people have done to you, may you reach out in Jesus' name. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. I'm your brother. Yes, you sold me, but I'm still your brother. Yes, you denied me, but I'm still your brother. Yes, you failed me. My wife, I'm still your brother. No matter what I've done to you this next year, may I still be your brother and your husband in the name of Jesus. I'm saying it in advance before I do the wrong things. <laughs> you are able to reach out if you have a large heart. May God give us large hearts in Jesus' name. Number 18. Genesis 45, verse 5 to 8. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve what? To preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now, look at the way this man reasoned. Even though it was them who did the evil, but he was seeing things from God's perspective. He was looking at things from the sovereign angle of God. Don't see men. Hallelujah. Don't see men. How many of you believe in the sovereign hand of God? That even through evil, God is working. Even evil is under God's control. So when somebody looks down on you, pushes you aside, and things happen the way you don't want, the sovereign hand of God is still very much at work. Number 18. See your adversity and afflictions as part of God's sovereign plan for your life and others. See your adversities and your afflictions as part of God's sovereign plan for your life and others. Amen. Don't look at people. Even when things are going bad, don't look at people. Don't see me. Don't see the people who are around you. Keep your eyes that God is still working. Do you believe that once you've surrendered your life to God, He's in charge of that life? He's working through the good and the bad to bring about the perfect plan for you. Hallelujah. Number 19. Genesis 45 verse 22. 
Now, let, let me start from 21. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for the journey. He gave to all of them, to each man, changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garment. If you remember when they were eating also. Alright? He says he put on Benjamin's plate five times the portion of his brothers. <laughs> five times the portion. Now, what are we learning from this? Number 19. Don't treat all relationships as the same. Don't treat all... Honestly speaking, I love Second Jude. I appreciate him. But I will not treat him the same way I would treat First Jude. Relationships have history. Relationships have dimensions. Relationships have color. It's not prejudice. It's just know that relationships are different. Joseph's relationship with Benjamin is not the same as his relationship with the others. In our early years of marriage, we had somebody staying with us at, at a particular time. And, you know, my wife would cook food for everybody. She's smiling. She knows the story. You know, cook food for everybody. But, you know, a new bride, she wants to take care of her husband. She wants to treat him specially. And I deserve to be treated specially. I wanted to be treated specially. So I would come back home. She's made a special soup for me. You know, special, just for me. Now this other person who used to live in our house became angry. She said, well, what is this preferential treatment you are doing? That uh, if you cook a soup, all of us should what? Are we not all brethren? See me, you're in my house. <laughs> I'm telling you, it became a big issue. It became, a, she would frown. She was unhappy because she felt, and you know, my wife said, my husband. I said, all oh, this, my husband, you're always calling my husband. Can't, why? My husband, my husband all the time. She, she, she was single. <laughs> but the point I'm making here is, she did not understand that there is a legitimate place for what? Preferential treatment. Are you with me? There is a legitimate place to separate relationships. It's just the truth. Don't feel bad. The ID of Capro, international director, he's a friend to everybody. You all know him. But when you watch closely, they are still friends and they are friends. Isn't it? If I had to go and challenge him, I say, there are some people when it's their birthday, you put a special picture and write long story. <laughs> For some other people, just say happy birthday. But you, you cannot, somebody would, he would be missing it to say, why didn't the ID treat me exactly the same way he treated? You cannot treat everybody the same. Human relationships develop. They have color. They have depth. They have history. So, please, I'm saying this because don't feel apologetic when you must treat some people more specially than what? Others. 
This is where animal farm is correct. All animals are equal, but some animals have a... All animals are not equal. Look, in the fellowship, we are all brethren. We love each other. There should be community, isn't it? But please know that in that community, there's a place for some special treatment. Finally, number 20. Genesis 46, verse 20 to 21. And to Joseph in the land, you know, they started giving all the genealogies, right? And to Joseph in the land of Egypt were born Manasseh and Ephraim, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. The sons of Benjamin were Bela, Beker, Ashbel, Gera, Naaman, Ehi, Rosh, Mufim, Hufim, Ard. They sound Arabic. Ard means earth in Arabic. Now I'm saying to myself, Benjamin is the younger brother of who? Joseph. Joseph had two. Monday, I'm not saying you have to stop smiling like that. He had two. But I can imagine Joseph saying, Look, I remember the way my father poured into my life. He gave me attention. Even though there were many children, he gave me attention. He poured into my life. He nurtured me. He mentored me. He discipled me. I can imagine Joseph saying, I don't want so many children that I cannot do the same to. I want a small group of people I can pour my life. Now, if you have grace to pour yourself into 10 people, why not? But this man knew that his grace was to concentrate on who? On two. Now, look at his younger brother. His younger brother had 10 sons. Look at the difference. The two sons of Joseph are incorporated into the 12 tribes of Israel. The 10 sons of Benjamin, not one is mentioned after now. Not one. So all those 10, he had all those children, but none of them turned out to be anything reasonable that God would say, let's incorporate. This man had two. And by the way, he had two from an Egyptian wife. Uh, do you know that? From an, so if you were even going to follow the lineage, Benjamin married from the Hebrew community. This one married from Egypt. Yet, God saw the way this man was discipling, mentoring, grooming. God put what? These two into the lineage. Please, whoever heard of Mupim and Hupim? <laughs> Even the names Benjamin gave his children. Mupim. Do you know that? <laughs> For Joseph, his children, their names had meaning, isn't it? Each one of them, I think the first one was something like, um, God has seen my affliction in Egypt and delivered me something. So, Mupim. <laughs> Hupim. Ard. Becker, 
Ashbel. What kind of names are that? Even Naaman, the only other place we hear of a Naaman is a Syrian. The final point here is, and I learned this from Joseph, think generational transfer and not just largeness. Don't just think largeness. What should you think? Generational transfer. You see, when I sit with you guys like this, what I'm actually doing is I'm pouring the core of the core of my heart. Are you with me? I am I'm pouring who I am, what I believe. And I'm praying that I am actually involved in generational transfer. I am pouring to you things that I believe, I pray, I hope you will take to the next generation. You are all leaders. You are all leaders. Some of this you will take to your families. You will take it to your teams. Don't think large. Large is not always better. Now, I'm not advocating small families. That's not what I'm advocating. I'm just advocating if you have children or you have people working with you, intentionally do what? Pour into, invest into, labor on them. Your little boy, Emmanuel, Deji, be laying hands on that boy. Be laying hands. Sit with him. Put him on your lap. Talk to him. Amen. Be, be, be intentional. Be deliberate. May God make us stewards of generational responsibility. Amen. God raises some people. They serve in a generation. They burn out but they don't, they don't affect anything or anyone that continues to the next generation. That's not my portion in Jesus' name. My portion is, I will not just by the grace of God affect my generation. I will affect my children who will affect their generation. I will affect my friends who will affect their generation. I will affect my teams who will affect their generation. And it has to be very deliberate. Let us pray. Let us pray. Can we just, we don't have the time we had in the morning or the first session to, to just pray and prophesy and decree over each one. Uh, we don't have that time. However, I would please plead with you, open your book, open the things you have written, look at them, and just for five minutes, just look at them and speak it into your life. All right? Think generational. Tell the Lord, I will be a generational steward multi-generational, not one generation. I'll be a multi-generational steward. I will nurture my special relationships and invest in them. I won't treat everybody equal. The way I treat Sister Melrose is different from the way I will treat someone else because of the relationship, because of the depth of the relationship. When afflictions are coming, I will remember the sovereignty of God is working. To take me to a beautiful destination. I would reach out to those who have hurt me. Deliberately and intentionally. I will never retaliate. I will never retaliate. I would reach out to those who have hurt me. I would learn to be vulnerable. I will weep. I will weep with those who are close to me at the right time. I will know when to delegate authority. And I will know when not to delegate authority. I will be patient with God. Because in the right time, 
God will bring my dreams to pass or his dreams for my life. I would maintain the divine triangle of faithfulness in obscurity, nurturing God's presence in secret and rejecting sin. I will maintain this. And I will never let people focus on me. I will always let people know that it's the grace of God. Just, just speak these few things over your life for the next few minutes. And then we shall close in prayer. May we always remind and remember and explain to people that every gift of God in our life is from God and not from us. May we grow in faithfulness, in obscurity. May we nurture God's presence in secret. And may we never rejoice in sin in the name of Jesus. May you enter a sudden elevation in the name of Jesus. May you never be in a hurry. May we never be in a hurry. But may we wait for God's timing, for God's dream. To become a reality in the name of Jesus. May we know what to delegate and when to delegate. And what not to delegate and what to delegate in the name of Jesus. May we know when to be vulnerable, when to weep. And when not to be vulnerable and when not to weep in the name of Jesus. May you never use your strength or your privileged position. To get even or retaliate with anyone in the name of Jesus. May you and I reach out to those who hurt us without waiting for them to confess. May we reach out always in love. Oh God, expand our hearts. So we can reach out to those who who have done evil to us in the name of Jesus. May we see every affliction. And every negativity as part of God's sovereign will to bring about a beautiful plan for our lives in the name of Jesus. May we nurture special relationships. May we value them. May we not make all relationships the same. And may we not be apologetic if people are unhappy with us in the name of Jesus. Finally, may you and I be investors into the next generation. May we pour into this generation, but also pour into the next generation in the name of Jesus. Lift your voice and begin to just thank the Lord. Say, Lord, these things shall happen in my life. Each of these things we have spoken, they shall be a reality. Just, Just lift your voice and say, yes, it will happen to me. This is my portion, each of these things. Thank you, thank you. For no one shall be a castaway. Each of these things shall become a reality, even for each one of us. To the praise and glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, thank you. This second session, we have had to go a bit faster, but how I pray that each of these things will be embedded in our hearts embedded in our spirits to the glory and to the praise of your name. Thank you for hearing our prayers. In Jesus' name.
and for other ministry resources kindly contact Capro on 081-32594437 or send an email to capromobilization at gmail.com